What's good, y'all? Welcome to In the Deep, a deep league-focused fantasy baseball podcast, part of the Pitcher List Podcast Network. My name is Jordan White, and I am joined here once again by my good friend and co-host, Christopher Schwebzy Weber. Schwebzy, happy post-All-Star break. How you doing, buddy? I don't like uh, this half of the season so far. <laughs> it's been a rough series for your Mets against the, uh, the uh, uh, staunch and oppressive pittsburgh pirates oh also hi friends how could i forget hi friends hello friends do we need to start i mean do we need to start over because like greetings acquaintances don't don't like that (laughs) not even a little bit you can stop that immediately uh yeah so (laughs) the the mets have lost four out of seven games to the pittsburgh pirates and i feel great Shrubsy's in a very, uh, <laughs> a very uh, a good mindset currently. This is a great start to the second half. I mean, they're at, le- at least they're still in first place in the NL East, right? Yeah, yeah, it's great. And I, I love that the closer that we traded Jared Kelenic for is really, really elite. He's really good, except when uh, he hasn't pitched in too long or yeah. if he pitches too frequently or if he's facing There's the that. Pittsburgh Pirates or if it's not a safe situation. Anytime other than that, he's awesome. I mean... A true capital C closer, if I've ever heard of one. Elite. Honestly, elite. Check out those K Uh, rates. (laughs) Really good. I mean, I'm fine. I mean, the Brewers have won their first three games out of the break, have extended their their lead in the NL Central to seven games over the Reds, who they just swept in this last series. So I'm a happy camper right now. Schwebzy, on the other hand, not so much. Yeah, wait till um, till you guys face the elite Pittsburgh Pirates in your division, okay? (laughs) Soon enough. And actually, we're going to highlight, funny enough, a pitcher near the beginning of the podcast uh, who faces the Pirates twice uh, for the Brewers that I'm going to recommend. But uh, before we do that, also, I just want to ask before we get to more businessy stuff, at least you have Pete Alonzo hitting absolute taters and just destroying the home run derby, which you did call to me. You were very confident about calling out Pete as the winner of the home run derby. That's literally and what everyone, he does. Everyone wanted to go with the flavor of the week and the exciting pick in uh Shohei I was wrong. Okay, More like I Shohei Hutani. Am I right? And uh... <laughs> I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. Stop the podcast. We're in. We're, we're two and a half minutes in, and I will turn this podcast around. And uh, you know, uh, people people wanted to go with Juan Soto or uh, Shohei Otani, but like like Alonso took down Vlad last year. It's true. He did. Come on. Well, that was Vlad before he could do the launch angle thing. Vlad could do the launch angle last year, just only in BP, apparently. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that was that was fantastic to watch. That was obviously my favorite part of All-Star Weekend because lo- love watching my large adult son mash taters. Yeah, watching uh, Pete Alonso end a child's life and then head bop the entire time was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, my one my one critique of the, uh, the home run derby performance is Pete, please stop dancing while the child is being carted off the field. <laughs> it was pretty bad. Just child, stop uh, dancing yeah. for 30 Not seconds, great. please. Not great. I mean, he was vibing, man. I loved <laughs> I, I really did love it. it. It was fantastic. The vibes were on point. Like, he would have absolutely passed the vibe check for sure. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, okay, enough about the All-Star break. Let's move on to the business part of this. First, off the top. If you want to follow when we're going to be, one, streaming like we were tonight. We're now currently on, what, like, hour seven of streaming? Probably uh, 5.15, something like that. We've been streaming for over five hours. This is absurd. If you want to follow us uh, uh, when we're going to be streaming on Twitch, you can get notifications for that by either following Schwebzy on Twitch. That's twitch.tv backslash Schwebzy. We usually start streaming around 9 p.m. Eastern time on Sunday nights. Uh, and if you want more 
help remembering that you can also follow us on our shared Twitter account that's in the deep PL on Twitter. Uh, you can also follow us individually at Schwebsi, that's S-H-W-E-B-S-I, or myself at Bun Singles. And then if you have any questions for us or want to give us any feedback, anything like that, uh, feel free to email us. We have an email at it's in the deep PL at gmail.com. Uh, and other than that, I think that was everything. What would what would like my army be called? Like the Schwebzy, the Schwebzy hive, like oh the Schwebzy swarm. There we go. I don't like that. That's the, join the Schwebzy swarm. <laughs> I can't even say that. The <laughs> Follow me on Twitch and join you the sound, Schwebzy you, swarm. You sound like you sound like a record being played backwards. <laughs> yeah, join that. Yes, yeah, join that thing. Um, if you say Schwebzy swarm backwards, <laughs> I'll show up in your house. It's <laughs> oh god, uh, he's like Candyman or Beetlejuice. Um, anyways, he's a baseball Beetlejuice. There you go. That's your new nickname, baseball uh. Beetlejuice. Uh, all right, let's start off with a little bit of news. We have a couple notable names that got called up and made their debuts post All Star break. Here, we only had three games to go off of so far. So again, this uh, I will say actually before we even start, this is probably going to be a slightly shorter episode just because we've only had a sample of three games since the All Star break. Um. We're probably going to go over some stuff that we talked about last week and then kind of hit on a few uh, interesting things for the second half here. But um, starting off, Jaron Duran finally made his debut for the Red Sox. Uh, He was hitless today, today being Sunday. Well, I guess technically we're recording this on Monday morning. So yesterday um, he went hitless. But in his debut game, he went one one for two with a single uh, and a walk and a run scored in three at-bats. he already easily clears the bar for 20% roster ship, but he's someone that I think Schwebze and I have both been pretty sweet on since before the season started. Uh, Duran has unlocked a ton of power, as we've talked about previously, so he's got some upside there, and he's also pretty fast and could give you some stolen base out, but so the power-speed combo is fantastic. Um, again, he's very much cleared that standard uh, 20% roster ship number, so he's probably not available in your league, but if he is miraculously not taken... I mean, he's an absolute pickup, right, Schwebs? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Especially in that lineup, in that ballpark. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, he'll get plenty of opportunities to hopefully run as well. Uh, that's the thing that I'm most excited about with him. But uh, he will be hitting near the bottom of the order because the top of that lineup is stacked. So that does uh, diminish his value slightly, at least for now. But if you're in a, I mean, he's not going to be available in pretty much any dynasty league. No, uh, but no as chance. a keeper he might not be a bad pickup because he's not going to really cost you a draft pick. Probably he's very likely been uh, sitting on the wire for people to wait, wait for him to come up. So uh, Jaron Duran, probably the most attractive offensive promotion this I'd year. Say I would so. say, did you see that I mean, picture of him flexing? I would say so. Oh, I have not seen this. Ooh, oh. Please, please link that to me uh, in the meantime. Well, dude, I'll, uh, s- I'll shoot that to your DMS. Absolutely. Uh, let's talk about, the other debut from this weekend, Brandon Marsh, uh, debuted, like I said, technically yesterday because we're recording this at what time is it? It is two thirty in the morning Eastern time. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm less enthusiastic about this one. Same. I mean, there is some upside here with Brandon Marsh, so he's not like universally rosterable. I think in every single league. I mean, depending on depth, you're going to be able to scrape 
the bottom of the barrel and kind of use him as a filler, I think. Uh, his first game today, he went 0 for 4 with 2K, so he hasn't provided anything yet, obviously. Uh, he looked a little bit out of his element. Uh, he is not, I would say, the most attractive addition to a team in average leagues. He was only hitting 255 in AAA before he got called up. Um, but he did carry a 14.5% walk rate, which meant that his OPP, OBP was uh, 364. So that's at least attractive in those type of leagues. Uh, currently, between ESPN and Yahoo leagues, he's only rostered 1% of them. So I feel like for now, he's a fine ad as like a stopgap measure in OBP leagues. But the thing that you have to really think about here is that his playing time is going to be really up in the air because you have both Mike Trout, who's going to be returning within the next few weeks, I would think, and Justin Upton as well, who has been out for a while. So um, I don't know if he's just going to be a temporary guy who's going to get sent back down once those two are healthy, if they're going to let him stick around or what. I doubt it, though. Um, Shrubsy, what do you think? I think that he looks like if Jason Wirth contacted Cody Bellinger's dealer. <laughs> oh, I, mean, I wasn't aware that Jason Wirth could look more unkempt, but he looks like a more unkempt Jason Wirth. <laughs> that is... See, that's the thing. You could have said that and made that joke pre-podcast while we were doing prep. And I feel like you just kept that one in the chamber the entire night, <laughs> just waiting for this to come up. And it makes me love it even more. So I, I, love to make you, I love to make you break mid-pod. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I think that's it for drop, like... <laughs> drop the strain, Brandon Marsh. <laughs> uh, anyways, let's move on. Uh, okay, we've only got like three current pickups that I think Shrubsy and I are going to recommend. One of them is kind of like a tandem thing, like Alejandro Kirk is the third one we'll mention here that we were both kind of sweet on because he's going to be coming back soon. Uh, but let's start with Eric Lauer. I'm going to be a homer a little bit here, but it really just isn't me being a Brewers homer. Just like hang tight while I justify this. So out of all of the pitching schedules coming out of the All-Star break, I think that Eric Lauer might have one of the most favorable of them all. So he gets Kansas City Royals, which will be today on the release of this podcast, so it might be a little bit late. I don't necessarily recommend that you pick him up for the Royals matchup because the Royals actually do not have that bad of a WOBA against left-handed pitching so far this year. But then the two starts following that, Lauer is lining up to face Pittsburgh twice, and then the two after that will be the Cubs and then the Cardinals if everything shakes out and they maintain a six-person rotation. Um Pittsburgh has the second lowest WOBA on the season against left-handed pitching, and St. Louis has the ninth worst. Um, I think that I would feel super comfortable running up, running them out there for those three starts. Though, again, I don't think I would worry about this Kansas City Royals start, and then the Cubs start might be a little bit borderline too. Um, on top of that, he has three straight quality starts. The Brewers' offense has been going absolutely gangbusters over the last month or so. Thank you to Willie Adamas. I love you very much. Um, so I think that he's in line for wins as long as he can reach that five inning threshold. Um, I think this is probably out of the all-star break, my favorite streamer to nab and then hold on to for the time being, just due to the weakness of his schedule. And I think that he could reasonably grab you at least three wins or quality starts in like in either kind of league over that span. He's currently available in like 90% of ESPN and Yahoo leagues. So I think that if you need that starting pitcher help, he's the guy that you should grab. Yeah, I'm kind of with you there. The schedule's great. Uh, 
and when you're talking about these players who are rostered in fewer than 20% of leagues, uh, yep. playing the matchups is one of the best ways to get quality because you know a lot of the play- pitchers down here just aren't very good. With uh, I would like to add one exception to that with a player we talked about last week who I just want to kind of reiterate uh, in Kyle Muller. Yes, who absolutely. is still sitting sub 20%. And uh, I, I believe that was because he got sent back down to the minors. Talked about him last mm-hmm. week, so I'm not going to go too uh, in-depth here. But uh, his first two starts coming out of the All-Star break are rough. He's going to be facing San Diego, and he's going to be at Philly. So this might be one of those pickups where you want to pick up and stash if you can. I don't know that I want to run him out immediately, but uh, I can definitely say that I bid what 52 uh, fab dollars on him in TGFBI and thankfully won him. And I'm really excited for what the second half brings with him. And as for upside, uh, as far as pitchers who are currently in the majors and 20% owned or less, I like his upside pretty much more than any other pitcher. Yeah. Love, love Muller. Uh, we both were pretty keen on him last week. And I think, again, this is also someone that uh, Nick Pollock at PitcherList of PitcherList.com <laughs> really, really likes. I think I, I can't think of one person at PitcherList who isn't kind of, at least kind of in on Kyle Muller. Because the breakers are just beautiful. Yeah. I mean, having two incredibly good breaking balls that you can rely on and throw for strikes is something that we find very attractive, especially in a young pitcher like that. Um, yeah, I'm very excited about Muller. Uh, actually, while we're here, let's talk about some other guys from last week that we kind of want to go over to. Um, so there was a few folks that we recommended last week that we kind of want to throw some cold water on. Uh, first off, due to the fact that he uh, has been purported to be doing some less than savory things, uh, particularly in the realm of domestic abuse, uh, Starling Castro, someone that we re- recommended last week. Um, we would say that you should avoid that situation at all costs right now. He's not worth adding, obviously. Um, just don't roster him. We don't know how long this is going to be going for. And uh, at least personally for me, I would just rather not have someone like that on any of my fantasy rosters, period. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, I I cut him today in the one league where I had him rostered. I don't want I don't want any part of Castro, basically regardless of how he performs. Exactly. Uh, and on the other end of that spectrum, uh, where it's a legitimate baseball thing, uh, Garrett Cooper. Uh, he had his arm extended on a defensive play, and the arm was ran into, and now he is getting an MRI. So we don't yeah. really know what the status of that is, but uh, you know, we called him out last week. There's only been a couple of games, so we just wanted to reiterate. Like if if he's winds up being healthy, he's still a fantastic pickup. But yeah, probably probably not anymore at this point. Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, depending on the extent of the injury, this could be a yes or a no. It didn't look good when it happened. He could get truly. He he was basically on the trade block. Yeah. So. I mean, that, that could this could have repercussions for like, like, this could ripple through, uh, you know, the Marlins. Absolutely. Uh, and then, Schwabs, were there some other guys from last week that you actually wanted to cover real quick before we continue on? I just after after watching him single the Mets to death, I would like to uh, double down on John Nagowski <laughs> again. 
0% rostered, I'm assuming, because it's John Nagowski. This is true. <laughs> the, my, my six foot tall, uh, 250 pound <laughs> yelling at Marcus Stroman tank of a slapdick hitter. Uh, the, the guy, the guy hit like in July, he's hitting like four. God, I, I don't have the number in front of you. It was like 450 plus in July. And he, I think he had 18 hits with 15 of them being singles. So it's like, oh he's, my gosh, he's hitting fifth. He's playing every day. He's in the uh, middle of that lineup and just slapping balls around. So it's like, just, he's going to accumulate some runs and RBIs just by nature of his, uh, role. So if you don't need big power out of your first base or corner infield slot, John Dugowski might be like low key productive for you. Absolutely. Uh, and then was there anyone else from last week while we're at it that you wanted to hype up very quickly? Uh, I, I still think Orlando Arcia is a nice uh, kind of upside pick mm-hmm. where like he was amazing in the minors. Yes, he was probably got an everyday job with Acuna sadly out for the year. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think RC is a nice sleeper pick that could uh, provide some major production that you wouldn't really expect, you know, given the name. Uh, other than that, some closers, uh, Ranger Suarez, Ranger Suarez, unfortunately blew his first save, uh, third save of the year, but first since he became the actual closer. So first ninth inning save. Yes. Uh, I still have faith in him, uh, although I, th- things are a little muddy given that Hector Norris saved uh, today's Phillies game. And then uh, we've got Heath Hembry, who continues to apparently be uh, elite closer Heath Hembry now. I I can't Who'd explain thought, it. Man. Like Spincinati, he's got he's got an elite slider now all of a sudden while still pumping heat in his at his uh, relatively advanced baseball age. Yes. And then uh, Logan Webb. Logan Webb, you absolutely want to roster. Yes. He's got an elite slider. He's got an elite changeup. He pitches for one of the best teams in baseball. He's getting stretched out to a starter's workload again. If Logan Webb is available in your league, I, I want to say regardless of league type, unless, like except for the most shallow of leagues, I think you should be picking up Logan Webb. For sure. Definitely agree with that one. I mean, I can't remember if you or I covered him last week. I literally, I know it was only one week ago. I can't remember which one of us talked about him. I'm pretty sure it was you. I, I'm, I'm a noted Logan Webb stan. It was probably yes, me. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, just kind of going back over some focus. There was a lot that actually changed, surprisingly, even though that we did have the all-star break. Uh, there was a lot of development in some of the folks that we talked about last week. So we figured we'd go back and cover those real quick. Uh, but then moving on, we got two more that we want to talk about here. Uh, Tanner Houck got called up. One of my favorite people. I did I, my one and only pitcher list article that I've written was about Tanner Houck. That was in the offseason this past year. And I'm still super duper hyped on him all over again now because of what he did in his first appearance after getting called back up. Uh, also, the the one and only pitcher list article that I've ever contributed to. That's true. You did contribute to that article. You do have a credit a little, at the end a of that bit, article. A little bit. A little, just a little baby bit, but you got that credit, dog. You got that credit. That's all that's um, important. That's all that matters. But yeah, he got himself a three-inning save in his first appearance after being called back up from AAA, which has me, like I said, excited about him all over again. I really hyped him up in that write-up. Uh, and also, I think on a preseason episode, I probably talked about, I had to have talked about him, right? Yeah. I would assume. Oh, yeah, absolutely. As a starter. Um, 
I don't know. I would have to go back and look at the numbers and see if anything was affected by the sticky stuff uh, crackdown in terms of his spin rate. I know that his slider in his showing, uh, that was two days ago now, I guess, didn't look as good, wasn't getting as many whiffs and called strikes on that. But his sinker and surprisingly his four-seamer, too, were both getting pretty good CSWs. Um his, his slider when it is on and he is throwing it for strikes is just so good. I remember when he won the nastiest pitch of 2020 contest. Like that slider was just so, so, so absurd. And I know that he has the ability to throw it one for strikes if he wants to, but two, it's just, it's just such a disgusting pitch. And it's such a good compliment to his sinker, which is literally a unicorn sinker. Like it's got the greatest seam shifted wake effect of literally any sinker in the league from last year. I just, there's, there's so much that I like about him. But he just doesn't have a third offering, which I think limits some of his upside. But I do think that if he does find that third offering, or sorry, second off-speed offering, I think that he has a ton of upside as a starter long-term. And I love him so much. I know we've, we've talked about this before. I I so very badly want to see him experiment with a cutter if he, if he has him already. I, yeah. That was the thing that I noted in my write-up on him is that he, because he's been trying to throw a splitter or a change-up like different variations of that for the past like three years now. And he's not been able to find anything that he can command with any sort of authority. Right. And uh, as repeatedly uh, hammered into our heads by uh, Mr. Michael Ahedo. Yes. Uh, it's it's difficult for sinker baller pitchers to find a changeup that works because the movement profiles on sinkers and changeups tend to be the same. So if there's not uh, you know, if there's not a huge difference mm-hmm. in movement of the two pitches, it's hard to make that that uh, duo work. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, uh, I w- yeah, I would love to see him throw that cutter and just have that little bit of variation in like the movement profile be really, really nice. But we'll see. I mean, he's got time to figure it out. I think that he is going to get some run here at the end of the year. And he saw a ton of ex- a ton of success in his first stint at the end of last year when he pitched. I think he had three starts at the end of the year last year only, but showed a lot of promise so hopefully he can find that again um but yeah uh moving on let's go to our last one here for current pickups alejandro kirk is technically eligible to come off his rehab assignment but it doesn't seem like they're in a rush to bring him up so currently the catcher situation for toronto is that danny jansen and reese mcguire are in a timeshare and danny jansen has now homered in the past two days um Shrubsy, do you think that he's gonna be getting the call soon and if he does, do you think he's actually going to be getting that much playing time? So the the Blue Jays have been trying to figure out catcher for years now. Mm-hmm. And if you think all the way back to four or five months ago, uh, Alejandro Kirk was a really popular preseason pickup because his projections coming into the season based off of his minor league numbers basically had him as the best catcher in baseball. Uh, at yep. least by by some projection systems. So there's understandably some excitement behind him, uh, but major league teams aren't managed by projections. Uh, nope. You know, even though some people like to think that when they're complaining about major league baseball. So I, I, I want him. I, I think we all want to see what he can do with a, uh, you know, full share of the, the catcher role, but I think as long as they are committed to Danny Jansen being like their one A catcher, even if there is a one B, uh, I just don't think that Alejandro Kirk is going to be a huge thing. 
but he the upside is still there. So we're kind of calling him out as someone to keep your eye on. You yes, know exactly. I, I don't know that there's uh, unless he is clearly named the starting catcher. I don't know that he is ever going to be worth rostering outside of maybe an AL only two catcher league. But yeah, uh, he, he's he's going to be back soon. Ideally, hopefully, back in the major soon. And uh, once once he supplants either one of uh, either one of that pair, probably Reese McGuire, uh, he's going to you're going to need to keep an eye on him. Yeah, as far as like range of outcomes go, I feel like he's got like one of the widest out of pretty much like most of the catchers that we would talk about here. Fitting his frame. Yes, exactly. Short and stout. Absolutely. I mean, I think I would want him in there over Reese McGuire, but again, we're not really sure how Charlie Montoyo, that's the Toronto manager, correct? I believe you are right. Yes. Um, We don't know how Montoyo is going to be utilizing him or when he is going to call him up. So we'll see how it goes. I hope that he does get some run at some point, but let's move on now. Again, this is going to be hopeful. Fingers crossed, we'll see a shorter episode <laughs> with the All-Star break having happened. We're going to talk a bit now about some potential people that you could target if some of the widely talked about trade rumors come true. So we're going to start off with Cubs relievers. Um, Schwebzy, I know that Unforgettable, one of the people that hangs out in the Twitch chat, uh, thinks that Kimbrel, Tapera, and Chafin are all going to get traded. And seem to speak that very confidently. I don't know if that's necessarily going to happen, um, but I do think that at least Kimbrel is probably going to get dealt because they are selling right now and he's the most valuable arm. So with those guys all on the table, who are we looking at as people that are potentially going to get save opportunities then once he does get traded? Yeah. So given that they have so many potential trade candidates and the fact that their bullpen has been so good this year, really, we were looking at it prior to this episode. And like, I think if you, if you sort their bullpen by innings pitched, you have to get to like the eighth guy before you hit an ERA over like 3.5. They've just been good across the board right. the it's entire year. Ridiculous. Like, I was joking. Like I, I think, you know, the Phillies should just try to trade for the entire Chicago bullpen. If they, you know, see, see if they could trade like their entire farm system for the entire bullpen, if the Cubs will take yeah. that. But yeah, so I, I think the pecking order, the pecking order here is basically Kimbrel, Chafin, Tapera. And if any of those guys don't get traded, then they're the closer. Yeah. But if all three of those guys get traded, that's where things start getting iffy. Uh, Rowan Wick closed games last year and uh, he's been out all year with an oblique injury, is about to return. If uh, Wick is still on the team and I don't see why he wouldn't be, then I think he's probably the next man up. If it's not Wick, then man, I don't know. Flip a coin. Uh, yeah, Dylan Maples, f- Rex Brothers, yeah. Keegan Thompson. Probably, I like like Dylan Maples. Probably has the best closer stuff of that group. Rex Brothers mm-hmm. is a lefty, which probably handicaps him in that race. I, I think you're looking at Wick, and if not Wick, Maples. And yeah, that again, seems that, like the most likely outcome yeah. to me. And again, that's if all three of those guys get traded, which who knows. Uh, the market has been pretty slow to develop so far. Uh, we are 12 days ish away from the uh, trade deadline. So yeah, well, I mean, we'll see what happens. This one you're going to have to monitor closely. There's not, it, it's not going to be an easy answer with this. Not at all. Um, 
Definitely something to keep an eye out for. And I did actually, if I remember right, I don't know what episode it was. It was during the season, though, like fairly early on. I did call out the Cubs bullpen as being absurdly good. I wish I, every time I've looked at it, I've been surprised because yeah. their bullpen was abysmal last year. It was very bad. Very, very bad. I know that Kimbrell was especially egregiously bad compared yeah, like, to what people expected of him. And he had a, he's had a huge bounce back, just night and day difference. It's been fantastic well, to see. Yeah, like what a fantastic like rebuild on the fly of that bullpen. Mm-hmm. Now they just need to rebuild everything else. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Speaking of which, uh, the Cubs have said that they're going to be sellers and we need to talk about one of the people that they might sell, Chris Bryant. I know that he's a very popular person that people have been throwing around as someone that's going to get dealt before the deadline. Well, that's in what, 12 days? Yep. Yeah. Uh, uh, 11 now technically, but oh, yeah, yeah. Re- regardless, like, we, like we're not talking just Chris Bryant, right? Cause Chris Bryant's the no. one that gets talked about a lot because Chris Bryant always gets talked about as a trade target. I don't know why everyone wants Chris Bryant to get traded. Um, there's also Javi Baez is going to be a free agent. And yes. Anthony Rizzo is going to be a free agent. I now I don't really think I, I don't expect all three to get traded. That would be no tr- truly wild. You can't uh, strip it that far. I don't think the Cubs have tried to lowball Anthony Rizzo before, and I assume they will continue to do that. And I assume that continue to do the same with Javi Baez because Javi Baez is having a bit of a down year. Mm-hmm. But who do we who do we think is going to like? benefit if any of these guys get traded yeah i mean there's a few people that we thought of that can stand to benefit i know that you put down here is like patrick wisdom seems like someone at third base that would get more run there naturally right right and we've also got david Bodie, who is just an absolute rbi machine and stat cast darling yes and i think uh Bodie, you're looking at if either rizzo or bryant go well, both of these guys, really. I think I think Wisdom yeah. or Bodie would both. Uh, I I don't. I, I think if I were to handicap it, like I would have Bodie first. Uh, Bodie's due back. He's on a rehab assignment right now, yep. and he's due back any day now. Um. I so I'd probably have Bodie as the main beneficiary of uh the newfound playing time. Probably Patrick Wisdom. Uh, also seeing himself getting more playing time as a result, but maybe mm-hmm. not a full time role. Also, uh, the the shine is kind of off wisdom that uh, that ridiculous stretch of home runs has now faded, and uh, we're kind of seeing who Patrick Wisdom is, which is you know he's fine. He'll he'll pop one over the fence every now and then. Yes, exactly. Yeah. He'll contribute, but not at that. That that was so absurd. Yeah, yeah. That pace was absurd that he was at, and I think that anyone would have assumed that it was going to like it was gonna the pump or the uh, the the. Oh gosh, the carriage was going to turn back into a pumpkin eventually. No, he's he's really he really appears to be a conventional wisdom now. Wow. Uh, I think I just got a migraine. Nailed it. Why is my nose bleeding? <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> Anyways, oh god, that was awful, but also very very good. I I think I'm just upset because I didn't think of that. I think mm, is what it comes down it. to. There we but go. There's a there's a fun uh, in the deep related side effect of guys getting traded though right there is there the, uh, someone that i uh i mean if anyone has listened to like i mean pretty much any episode of this podcast at any point you know how much i love nico horner is that once they start th- thinning out the top of that lineup i think that nico slots into like the one or two spot because he hits he's got like the best hit tool on the team 
I would right. say. Right. He's that kind of player. He's going to be able to get on base. He's got tons of speed, which means like if he has the intent, he will be able to steal bases. I think that Nico looking forward for the next few years is going to be like a 20 plus stolen base guy. That's yeah. where I'm at. Like, so I think that he benefits from that. Obviously, like the lineup is going to be less good. So he's probably not going to score as many runs as he likely would if they kept everyone and he was hitting in a top spot like that. But like, he's going to be valuable regardless and more valuable because he's hitting near the top and getting more at bats. So, so more value for Nico Horner and less production for the Cubs as a whole. So as a Brewers fan, this is fantastic for you. This is my ideal. This is my heaven. This is what it is. Love it. This is my dream. <laughs> I love it so much. Um, anything else on the Cubs? Is there anyone else that we missed that might get more playing time? I, I would say they're probably going to be the most interesting team to watch at the trade deadline. But yeah. also, like, there's so little going on like in the minors, at least close to the majors right now. So yeah. like the most they're a few years off. Right. The most interesting Cubs prospects are like your your Ed Howard, your Braylon Marquez your Brennan Davis and none of those mm-hmm. guys are sniffing the majors this year. So nope. it's, and uh, you know, that haul they got for you Darvish, all those kids are 19 and 20. Love yeah. that. I'm old enough that I call prospects kids now. Uh, oh so God, we're there. Oh we? yeah. We're there. So yeah. I, <sighs> What's a TikTok? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's just like, it, it's hard to find any, fantasy relevant beneficiaries uh if if when these guys get traded like the starting rotation too right yeah we, we were talking about this earlier like if, if zach davies or kyle hendricks goes like who is going to start games like I, I just don't think there's anyone really uh outstanding in that minor league system who is going to come up and produce not at all yeah i'm not really interested i mean i, I think they're going to be unless i don't know what they're going to get in return for some of these guys, if once they do start dealing, I think it's gonna it's, it's imminent. I think it's going to start happening. Um, but I just don't see the returns being that great for them either, considering a lot of these guys, well, could just be rentals. Are you I ready mean, for are you ready for Justin Steele season? Oh god. That's I'm just I'm looking at their miners. It's oh it's, boy. It's rough. It's rough. It's 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 definitely rough. Ready, um, ready for Jake Arietta oh. to come back from his phantom injury for because he was so bad. Oh man. Yikes. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's not gonna be fun. Oh, sorry, Cubs fans. It's gonna be rough for a little bit. Um and I mean honestly, like when it comes right down to it, yes, as a Brewers fan, there is a certain part of me that enjoys the Cubs not being good. <laughs> like, I'm not gonna sit here and lie about that. But at the same time, I also prefer them to be a good team so that way i can feel better about it when the brewers do thrash them like it feels like we earned it sort of i don't know yeah like it's kind of a bummer for us as fantasy managers because these you know it's fun when trades happen but it's less fun when trades happen and there's no like ripple effects or fallout exactly oh all right um staying in apparently this is just like a midwest theme section because we're literally yeah, just yeah. we're just staying in the center coast here. Um I can't believe be... all these Midwest teams don't want to spend and yeah, uh, right. make their teams good. Shocking. Um let's go to Minnesota. Minnesota. For uh another name that a lot of people have been throwing on Nelson Cruz. Uh and then also Byron Buxton too, which is another that's a massive one because it's seeming like the twins are going to offer him a contract and it's probably not going to be enough in theory. Like we can just using context, context clues. It's probably not going to be enough to keep him there. 
Look, the, um, the, the fact that it got leaked to the media kind of says it all. Yeah. Writing's kind of on the wall there. That's what it feels like. It feels like they're trying to leverage things and use the media to their advantage. Again, like Shrubsy pointed out, actually, during the stream. Actually, you know what? I'm going to let you say it so that I'm not, like, taking credit for it. But you said, like, before the stream, it's similar to a different situation that happened earlier this year. Oh, God, I'm blanking on it. With, with Kelnick. Oh, yeah, right. Like it's so they're basically saying like, uh, you know, here's a contract and either you can take the contract or we will trade you. It's similar to when they uh, the Mariners were offering Kellenic a contract. and They said, well, you can take this under market contract or we can not promote you. Yep. So so just trying to leverage players, which is not great, not cool, not fun for the game in general. Buxton. So let's say hypothetically they offer him an under market contract. And he yes. declines it, which would be well within his right and probably expected given how good he is. He would immediately become the best player on the trade market by leaps and yeah. bounds. Yeah. Similar to how if, you know, the Nationals decided they wanted to trade Scherzer, which we should actually talk about and we don't have the notes here. But uh, yeah. yeah, that's true. So uh, yeah. So if, if Buxton was to get on the market or, or like he would be the best player and Nelson Cruz is another one on that team who is a fantastic hitter, even, even in his forties mm-hmm. and any team would be lucky to have him as their DH. Yeah. And that's the thing too, is he, because DH, he's going to have to stick in the AL. Right. right? I, I just don't know exactly where he would end up is so the issue. Just, just as a, as a fun thing, where do you want to see Nelson Cruz wind up? For like storylines and just good oh, baseball, man. I think um, I think the Rays personally. That, that's exactly what I was yeah. going to say. I was going to say the Rays as well. I think it makes the most sense too, probably. Right. Right. Like they could just be like, yeah, here, here's our fifteenth best prospect. It's better than other teams' fifth best prospect. Whatever. Enjoy. Go nuts. Wait a second. What if? Huh. Huh. What if, what if, what if, what if, what if I got to look something up real quick. Just give me a second. This is going to just take a moment. So uh, another one that occurred to me that I thought would be a perfect fit was the Oakland athletics. Cause the Oakland athletics uh, the last time I checked, were running out like Seth Brown as their yeah. DH who is fine. You know, he hits, he hits some dingers, but he's no Nelson Cruz. No. So, I mean, those are both teams that I, I like because of, uh, I, I think they run their team in a smart fashion, even if it's not always kind to the players. Uh, so I, I think it would be fun to see him uh, kind of elevate those teams. Who who were you thinking? This is mostly just me having like very wishful thinking. But what if he went back to the Mariners? Oh, that would be a lot of fun. But I don't. I I, said, it's not, I don't I, think it's necessarily realistic at all. I said playoff team though. They're in line for potentially getting a wild card spot if, if they can I, keep playing well. Look, as as a Mets fan, I'm just I'm trained to see these like outliers and waiting for the other shoe to drop. And the other shoe is going to drop with the Mariners. It's just a matter of time. They are by far the best team in baseball in one run games. They are by far the best team in baseball in extra inning games. Those are not things that will sustain. No, not necessarily. Um, unless they get some better bats in their lineup. Like, 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 like Nelson Cruz. Like Nelson Cruz. Like Nelson uh, Cruz. Maybe they, oh gosh, I don't know. I'm just trying to think like, I'm very quick because I did not think about this at all beforehand. I'm trying to like formulate trade ideas in my head 
where they could get Nelson Cruz. Yeah, well, I mean, just think about the playoff teams, right? It couldn't couldn't be the Yankees, couldn't be the Red Sox, could nope. be the Rays, could uh, be the Rays. I, I yeah, I think the Rays are the most likely. I mean, maybe the White, maybe but... the White Sox. Go oh, although oh. I, doubt, I doubt the Twins would want to trade with the White Sox, but yeah. In division, yeah, they, they, I mean, well, it's not like they're of, fighting for a division title, though. That's the thing. Yeah, they do have a lot of DH types, and Eloy is about to come back from the uh, the injured yeah. list. So that's true. But yeah, and then you got your uh, you got your Athletics, and you got your Astros. Maybe the Astros. But are they just going to continue to run out Jordan in the outfield? Uh, maybe that's like, the maybe, thing. Maybe it could be just like a playoffs only thing. Maybe. Yeah, I, yeah, it's hard to say. I, I don't see the Astros buying him Probably personally. Not. Um, you know what? I think he, I think he absolutely could. I don't know how it would work. I think he absolutely. I think that I think the Rays are the most likely trade partner. But I also think that the fun thing would be for the Mariners to get him back and make a run and try to like that make some fun. magic happen that this would year. Absolutely be fun. So, because I mean, he was like really, so, really good in. He was good in Texas and a ton of home runs there. But then like he spent the one year in Baltimore where he had 40 for the first time. And then he really popped off when he went to Seattle. He was nuts good in Seattle. I, I want to live in the alternate universe where Nelson Cruz debuted like or, or was good like a few years earlier. Right. He'd, he'd have like 600 home runs. I was going to say because um, he's, like, he's got almost 450 now probably. I'm not, I don't know. What, I'm not looking at his page, but like, uh, yeah. It's a, it's a good thing that we don't go on any tangents so that this thing could actually be short. Yeah. But, love uh, it. So, all right. So, <laughs> what what would what would a Nelson Cruz and or Byron Buxton trade mean for the Twins? Like, would would that open up playing time for anyone interesting? It would assure more at bats for the young guys, right? Right. Like, there's guys we've been talking about all year long, like Larnock and uh, Ryan Jeffers, who probably with a trade like this are assured more playing time. Yes. Exactly. I think that's like the biggest draw for either of them getting traded, right? Right. Like they're both going to see more more run. Um, so those are the most likely ones. On the other side of the ball. Yeah. Oh, yes. The the twins have both J.A. Happ and uh, Michael Pineda are going to be free agents. And then there's been whispers of Jose Barrios also possibly being on the trading block, though he comes with an extra year of control. Yes. So that might suddenly make him one of the maybe the most desirable starting pitcher on the trade market unless the nationals start tanking there is that yeah um and if that were to happen if the uh, if the twi- if the twins were to start selling off rotation pieces i think that's a much more interesting thing for fantasy because there's some interesting pitchers in that system now whether the twins are willing to promote them is another thing entirely yeah but uh you know actually i'm gonna i'm gonna save this for a little bit because uh, a lot of these guys are prospects and we are going to talk strictly about prospects in a little bit but uh it is notable that the the twins could have some starting rotation spots open up this is true uh and yes we do have a prospect section at the end here we're going to cover a few of these guys spoilers yeah, let's save it Let's save it. We're, that, that's a tease right there. That's not even a spoiler. That's a tease. Mm. That's what that is. We like those. All right. Uh, last one we want to talk about here in terms of trades. Again, still sticking, well, kind of in the Midwest. Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh. It's the Eastern Midwest. Eastern Midwest. Um, yeah, sticking with the Pirates. Uh, two names that we thought of, Tyler Anderson and Richard Rodriguez. Uh, Schwebzy 
if either of them gets traded, one or the other, we'll start with Tyler Anderson. If Tyler Anderson gets traded, who do you see? I know that we've seen like Max Kranich, uh, but there are a few other notable names there. Who do you think is likely to get the most opportunity if there is a departure by Tyler Anderson? All right. So I don't think the most prominent beneficiary is either Kranich or Keller. So okay. Mitch Keller, Mitch Keller uh, is is the other guy who I wanted to talk about, and he's had he's had his chances. He's had a few chances now to make his impact in the majors, and bet- I mean, first it was the most atrocious luck that any pitcher had ever seen. I think ever literally uh, that uh, tanked his first uh, exposure to the major leagues, and then he had a good run in 2019, I believe it was. Yeah, no, 2020, 2020, he had so he had a good run, and then uh, 2021, he pitched at the start of this year a bit and was like just a train wreck, like he was walking the world. So we don't know what we're gonna get from Mitch Keller. Uh, it's it, like I said before with the other, it's a it's kind of a coin flip whether you get good or bad Mitch Keller at this point, and it seems to be like not even from start to start, it's just from like year to year. Mm-hmm. And I'm not willing to like bet on him. Uh, I, I don't think I've rostered Mitch Keller since that atrociously bad luck season, personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, Max Kranich, on the other hand, is kind of interesting. He he pairs a mid-90s fastball with a slider that he locates, basically. like It's it's actually funny if you're looking at his chart. It's like never in the zone. He just doesn't yeah. throw a slider in the zone, and it's it works. Like he gets, he gets swings and misses. So he's throwing the fastball up, throwing the slider out of the zone. It's been a good combo so far. Dude needs a third pitch. Yeah, like, he has the two badly. offerings. That's it. Yeah, uh, I do think Tyler Anderson is going to be a prop, a popular trade target because he he should come relatively cheap. Uh, he's a, he's a lefty. He's got that really interesting fastball that gets uh, a lot of swings and misses in the zone, in spite of it being not a very high velocity fastball. It's like ninety one, he sits yeah. usually something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I am once again going to tease you guys a little bit and say that there is a third pitching uh, option here for that rotation spot who uh, happens to be a prospect who I'll talk about in a little bit. Excellent. Okay. And then with Richard Rodriguez, if he gets traded, obviously he's been pretty solid so far for the Pirates uh, in the closer role, but he could get dealt. Um, Who do you think is going to be the closer that follows him up if he does get dealt? I I think it's going to be David Bednar. Okay, but uh, David Bednar has, prior to this year, been absolutely abysmal. Mm-hmm. Like this is this has been the first time that he's put it together in the majors, and he's a you know a, a a volatile reliever. So we we all know that that means he could continue to go off, or he could just you know light himself on fire at any point. So I, I think Bednar is going to be the first option, which is kind of all we care about. Uh, in fantasy, the next man up in the uh, in the closer role. So yeah, if if it seems like Richard Rodriguez is going to get traded, I think the immediate pickup is David Bednar. Cool. I think that the one name that I would throw in here that is just like the fun factor to for me because I just love his slider. It's another slider that I'm obsessed with is Kyle Crick. Yes, just a really good pitch. He doesn't necessarily have the velo. I would say or like traditional closer stuff in that regard, but his slider is. So pretty when it's on. It really is. Oh. All right. Uh, let's move on to the last section here. we got some prospects that we want to keep an eye on for the second half. Um, one that's pretty pertinent due to a well-known situation that I'm not going to relitigate 
here in Los Angeles with their current starting pitching staff um, is Josiah Gray. So he was thrown around or he was a name that was thrown around by Dave Roberts recently as a possible spot starter for upcoming games. And he's probably worth at least a look if you're interested in getting a little bit of starting pitching help or a spot start here or there. So he's, according to our friends over at Prospect Live, a guy who has a elite vertical release point on his fastball, which allows it to play up a bit, even though it's only about 93 miles per hour, which in today's game is less than ideal. Um, That said, his secondaries have been graded kind of across the board as like average to underwhelming. With all that said, though, he does command his arsenal very, very well, and he doesn't walk very many people. He's got a 22 strikeout to two walk ratio so far this year over four appearances. And with that, he's got a 2.870 ERA. So he throws a ton of strikes, which is fantastic. And the fastball is plus at least, so that's good. Uh, I do have doubts that he sticks with the major league team for the rest of the season if he does get the call to spot start. But the possibility is always there. And with someone like this, if you get him for a single stream start, it's not the worst thing in the world. That's like worst case scenario. And I'd much rather be early on someone like this than late. So Josiah Gray is someone that I would at least look at and keep an eye on to make sure that you have him on your like watch list in case he does make this spot start. Yeah, like there, there's guys that we're going to talk about here who are kind of like monitor types. Like if yes. they come, if they come up, you're not going to want to pick them up immediately. You're kind of going to want to see how they do. Josiah Gray is someone I would pick up immediately. The Dodgers Ooh. have a, the Dod- no, the Dodgers have a history of having these pitchers come up and immediately succeed. Right? Like who had ever heard of Tony Gonsolin before Gonsolin was a real thing? Uh, it, Urias was like a real prospect, but like yeah. the, the Dodgers just have these arms come up and immediately have immediate success. So I would, I would pick up Josiah Gray for spot starts against most of the teams in baseball, you know, unless it's like a, unless it's like the San Francisco giants or, you know, the Padres, Padres yeah, like or, or at cores or whatever, but there's a, there's a, of course a lot of divisional games, but, uh, yeah, Josiah Gray is interesting. He's on a team that has a history of success developing pitchers and like that, that, that pitching staff is just in shambles. Like I I doubt he sticks for the whole year, but I wouldn't be surprised at all. If, if he has one good start, I can see them, you know, running him out for a few more. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I can definitely see them giving him plenty of runway if he does perform well and kind of just like, it's an audition really is what it comes down to. Right. Right. And obviously there's a situation that is developing there that we don't know what the end result is going to be. I hadn't really, Um, I hadn't really sat down and thought about it, but like, man, Kershaw, he who shall not be named Dustin may, uh, Tony Gonsolin has been underwhelming. I'm sure there's another one, right? I, I I think, I mean, mean, David, David price is now back and actually looked good today. It looks pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited about price personally, but yes. Yeah. There's lots of people that have been fairly underwhelming to just abysmal this year yeah man i like both both uh both la and san diego have both been uh the epitome of you can never have too much pitching absolutely yeah all right uh next one we want to talk about here is jose barrero this is uh one that you threw down here schwebs i mean he was formerly known as jose garcia and i, I, I you had found to out be tonight, told <laughs> you found out yeah you found out tonight why that was the case which is oh, a very it's, yeah. a, it's a sad it's it's a sad story but it's a sweet story yeah, uh, Jose Barrero, uh, his mother passed due to COVID. And yeah. uh, after that happened, uh, he took on the family name. 
uh, he so instead of now instead of being known as Jose Garcia, he has now gone to the that uh, Guerrero surname. Yes, which is really sweet. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, there's no real upside to the story. It's just sweet of him to uh, honor his yeah. mother that way. Uh, so Jose Barrero, formerly Jose Garcia, has been absolutely on fire this year. Uh, he he kind of scuffled. He uh, he saw his first major league experience last year, jumping several levels to reach the major leagues, which kind of showed like how yeah. the Reds viewed him. And now that he's uh, had his taste of the majors and has been sent back to the minors, he's been absolutely unreal. The Reds have a 10.7% chance to make the playoffs per fan graphs at this moment after getting swept by the Brewers. Hey. Hey. And uh, they kind of need to make something happen like now, sooner rather than later. Uh, and Kyle Farmer is their shortstop at the moment. Kyle Farmer is not a playoff team starting shortstop. No, he is not. I M O. So uh, it seems like a really good opportunity for a stud prospect to make a difference, uh, you would think. So I don't necessarily think that Jose Barrero is a league winner kind of pickup because he doesn't have that kind of skill set. He doesn't have huge power. It's pretty fast, but not a burner. But what he's doing in the minors, uh, he's walking a ton. He's getting on base. Uh, his, he's putting up a slash line right now, 296, 406, 537. And he's walking 12.9% of the time while only striking out 24% of the time good good numbers and like that's that makes me think like a, a professional hitter like it actually it, it reminds me of like uh another reds prospect who's doing well in the majors this year uh, it reminds me a bit of jonathan india yeah like not middling power middling speed but puts together good at bats and is a general uh positive for the lineup so that's kind of what i'm seeing in his minor league numbers uh the minor league profile, the the scouting reports say similar things, although the this is the best his plate approach has ever looked. So it remains to be seen if this is a small sample size thing or if it holds, uh, if it holds, might be a real nice top of the order kind of hitter. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't think that he ends up being at the top of the order necessarily if he does get a call. Probably uh, maybe down not. the line because like right hitters. now i mean yeah because they've got i mean obviously like india has been leading off recently but then you have like jesse winker you have castellanos you have uh tyler naquin um and then it kind of peters off after that well you got vado usually hitting in the fifth spot but then after that it's going to trickle off so he's probably going to be yeah. like a six, so to, let six me, to eight hitter let me walk that back and say that he might have a top of the order profile but he will not do that at least not this soon in his career yeah not right now maybe later though uh i think that if it's like a Obviously, like a dynasty league, he's probably going to be owned in theory. But in a keeper league, as someone that you can get like for the bare minimum, just off the wire, and he's going to cost you like not going to cost you a draft pick to keep or something like that. If he somehow does debut and then he does show out and looks good, I mean, not a bad person to target. Um, yeah, he's yeah. Uh, he's absolutely going to be rostered in dynasty leagues. Uh, like Fangrass currently has him as the number three pro- thir- number thirty three prospect overall. So yeah. we're talking we're talking uh, an elite prospect here. For sure. All right. Uh, let's move on. Just a really quick one here. I'm not going to talk about this a ton because one, he's kind of on a rehab assignment. He's only played four rehab games so far, but Sam Huff. Um, love it. We love big boys that hit the ball far. Um, Sam and this is, is the biggest boy. He's, he's the biggest boy that hits the ball the farthest. Literally, we talked about it a few, either last week or two weeks ago, I feel like, where he hit a 511-foot home run in a 
like as Arizona complex league, uh, rehab game, something like that. I can't remember what it was. It was an absolute monster of a shot. He looked um, like he wasn't trying. It, lo- it was the lowest <laughs> effort swing I have ever seen in my life. And he hit it a million miles per hour off the bat. You know what um, I'm excited for? I'm, I'm excited for when he comes up again and we can go like Huffman. Oh yeah. Oh God. No. I mean, okay. Nick is going to appreciate that reference. Yeah, for sure. Me, on the other hand, is someone who only vaguely knows what The Simpsons is. Huffman <laughs> can't breathe. <laughs> oh, God. But uh, like, like I said, the raw and game power is absolutely there, uh, judging by the 511-foot home run that he hit, naturally. But his batting average and his K percentage, oh, again, it's only four games, are really, really bad. And he's kind of yeah. been like that always. So he's going to strike out a ton. He's probably going to kill your batting average on base percentage. But when he does run into a ball, he's going to absolutely destroy it. So if you need like an empty power bat for like a second catcher spot in the league, he's probably going to be up later this year, I would assume. So keep an eye out on him. Make sure you keep an eye on when he's going to get called up. Um, put him on a watch list. And that's all I really have to say about him. You know what? I, th- I think it could be like rostering uh, Grandal in a batting average league. Probably better batting average than Grandal, but similar similar kind of profile dingers. you think that he's gonna get on base as much though but that's what i'm saying like a batting average league grandel yeah okay that's fair all right uh shrebsy take our net wait oh sorry i lost my place yeah so uh this this is what i was teasing earlier with the uh pittsburgh pirates pitcher, oh yeah who uh the one that i think should actually be the beneficiary of a tyler anderson trade and that is miguel jahure who it was the uh the prize of the jameson tie-on deal Jahure has already seen a couple of spot starts similar to Kranick, but uh, Jahure was actually like, I, I don't know about you, Jordan, but I had literally never heard of Kranick heading into this year. I had not either. Yeah. I, so uh, Jahure was actually a top 100 prospect and uh, he's already had some success in his spot starts. They weren't the best, but you know he, he held his own. And Jahure is actually somebody that I've been excited about because he's not a huge name and uh, is someone that you can still get at a low price and uh, is available in most leagues. So, and you know, it's the pirates. So uh, unless they're playing the Mets who they are a juggernaut against are not that good. Uh, I, I like Jahure as a, I, I don't think he's an immediate pickup. I think he's an immediate streamer. Uh, okay. Like I, I feel less confident about him than I do about, gray like gray i would run out against most teams whereas shahure i would immediately run out against lesser teams okay uh but yeah uh i i think i think he's a definite someone to keep an eye on and probably pick up in in uh you know depending on the situation excellent okay uh yeah oh this is so the next two on the list sorry i lost my spot again somehow uh but i see the next two names on the list this is the other uh, folks that you were kind of teasing before when we were talking about the yes. twins if there's any pitchers that get dealt like Barrios or um pineda that could possibly get a call so yeah and i feel, I feel like have here? We're, we're almost listing these guys in uh, the order that we would want to pick them up uh yeah because well, yes, I, yes. So i'm i'm much less confident here uh so we're talking about minnesota twins prospects uh joan duran jordan belazovich and matt cantorino uh and i think no, so I, I think my my confidence in the twins actually calling them up, uh, I would go about Belazovich first and then Duran and then Cantorino. Although Duran is in AAA right now. He is pitching pretty poorly there. Yeah. 
that's that's also well no that's that's the reverse order for uh how excited i would be to pick those players up uh i think cantorino okay cantorino first i think cantorino is the best of the bunch but he's the furthest away and then uh belazovic is the most blah but i i think duran and belazovic have similar upsides but belazovic has a higher floor but basically the the gist here i'm sorry i'm overcomplicating this the gist here is that if the twins were to call any of those three pitchers up they are all at least mildly interesting and should be monitored i don't think any of them are immediate pickups but i i do think if any of them get called up and start getting regular starts in minnesota that they need to be paid attention to Mm -hmm. down for that yeah um who do you think is most likely to get called up out of those three? I, I would say probably, story. probably Belazovic. Okay, nice. Okay. Although, no, with, with how the Twins have been handling their pitching staff this year, uh, it's most likely just going to be Randy Dobnak. Hey, former, you know the- former, former <sighs> in the deep favorite, Randy Dobnak. He's still a favorite in my heart. I he literally, really is. I, I literally have a Randy Dobnak autographed baseball card within arm's reach. So I feel you. I do. <laughs> Uh, and that's all my fault. I'm, I'm, I'm very sorry about it. Um, all right. Getting to some more, uh, some much more attractive prospects that I think that we're kind of excited yeah, to see. This is, this is more like our wish list than it is yeah. something this, that will happen. At the, end, at the end here, it's going to be pretty interesting because like, I mean, the Kansas City Royals are not very much likely not going to be a playoff team in any capacity. Um, but Bobby Witt Jr. just got called up to AAA on the day of this, well, technically yesterday now, so not the day of this recording. Uh, so we are yet to see how he performs at AAA, but in AA, he was a power speed monster. He had 16 homers and stole 14 bags, all while hitting 292. So good. Um, he was a very popular stash in a lot of redraft leagues early on because there was, like, essentially, it felt like, an, um, it felt like a Twitter campaign almost to try to get the Royals to actually have him start in the majors at 19 or at 21 years old. Now he is, I think, right. Free Bobby Witt. Yeah. Free Bobby Witt. Um, but then the hype kind of fell off after he started down in, he started in double a, which is a pretty aggressive assignment for someone his oh, age. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, but the fact that he's already in triple a is fantastic. There is a chance that near the end of the year, he might get called up and get some run, which would be really, really cool. Uh, he's, Actually, he's rostered in more leagues than I expected him to be when I checked. This is he's ridiculous. still rostered. He's still rostered in thirteen percent of leagues. Absolutely ridiculous. Between ESPN and Yahoo, so people are already well. I mean, I, I'm assuming that it dropped below that point at uh, earlier this year when he was assigned to Double A, and people haven't been stashing him this whole time. But now that he's in Triple A, there is a reasonable chance that he gets called up if he continues to hit well. Um, so if you have a bench spot or in any spot that you can spare, I would stash him immediately, like just in case, obviously in those redraft leagues. And then naturally, if he is for some insane reason still available in one, well, he's not going to be available in a dynasty league, but if there's a keeper league that he happens to be in that you have a spot for, I would absolutely take him and stash him right now. Oh yeah. So um, there, there may not be a more, there may not be a more exciting, like, power speed infielder in the minors no not a single one um and they have they had him take reps in the outfield now to try to increase his uh versatility i haven't heard that 
I feel like I heard them say that they were maybe going to do that at some point, but I could be making that up on the spot. That would only increase. I not fact check myself. But you're my editor. Who 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 facts check the fact checkers? Who edits the editor? Uh, the editor does. That's who it is. I self edit. Um, anyways, let's move on to the last couple that we have here. So. The combination of Adley Rutschman and Grayson Rodriguez. Grayson Rodriguez is definitely a pipe dream. Uh, he's probably not going to appear until like I would say mid to late next year with how he's been pitching in Double A so far. I think he's absolutely moved up his timetable. Yeah, because like, he's just been unreal this year. Yeah, like he, he's in contention now for like top pitching prospect in baseball. Oh, he is. I think I feel like he is very likely the top pitching prospect in baseball right now. I would say he's he's number one for me at least. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, I don't. I don't think that's even that bold. Yeah, um, and that, that's the thing too is like having a battery of Rodriguez and Rutschman in Double A right now. Literally the best pitching prospect, arguably and unarguably the best catching prospect in the league, uh, has got to be super exciting for Orioles fans. I'm very envious of them. Um, Rutschman much more likely than Grayson Rodriguez. Obviously, I think that Rutschman does end up getting the call near the end of this year. In theory, uh, Rodriguez, again, I think he was initially before the season slated to probably join the big league roster in like 2023-ish. I think like middle of the year next year in 2022 is more likely now. Um, but like I said, I hope that Adley does get some run at the very end of the season. He's the highest touted catcher prospect since Matt Weeders, former Oriole as well. Probably. Do I you think remember, so. Wasn't that remember- a former Oriole? Yes. Uh, yeah, he was. Yeah. Do you remember Weeder's facts? No, I don't. Not at oh, all. They had this whole Chuck Norris thing where like, oh, you know, no, like, you know, the, Matt, uh, the, the boogeyman checks under his bed for Matt Weeders or whatever. If you literally asked anyone under the age of 25, if they know what a Chuck Norris fact is, they're going to be like, who's Chuck Norris? Oh, God. Is that a boomer thing? Am I being a boomer? Oh, I no. think no. Like, I genuinely just thought about that. And so there's no way people under the age of 25 oh, no. know who Chuck Norris is. Oh, no. Not a chance. But uh, as as uh, managers of Adley Rutschman in our Pitcherless Dynasty League, I'm excited. Yes. yes, no, I'm super hyped. I cannot wait also, for him to make his debut. I, I also can't wait for Rutschman to make his debut so that Francisco Alvarez can take over as the best catching prospect in baseball. <laughs> no well, bias. No bias. No bias involved there at all. No, I don't think so. All right. Finally, moving on. Let's go to our last person. Edward Cabrera. Schwebs, take it away and finish it out here. So I'm going to come right out and say that Edward Cabrera is the single player on this list uh, out, outside of the pipe dreams who I would be most excited about rostering and would add the second I heard that he was being uh, promoted. Uh, Edward Cabrera, I think, is the most talented pitcher on this list short of Grayson Rodriguez. I would much prefer him over Josiah Gray. I kind of feel like... I. I, I think if we were going to see him before September call-ups that we would have by now because Cabrera, yeah. Cabrera was very good in double a last year and now he is repeating that level after you know the long delay of uh you know not having minor league seasons he's now repeating double a and pitching basically at just as well as he was previously and uh I yeah before the hiatus he seemed to have it under control he's still there he's right back where he ended so with the added development time, I'm just not sure what the Marlins are waiting for other than, you know, contract manipulation, service time manipulation. Yeah. 
If Cabrera gets the call, this is an immediate pickup for me. The stuff is filthy. This is a team with a habit of turning out great young pitchers. This is the highest priority pitcher on this list for me by far. Yeah, love it. I mean, again, they have quite a few injuries in their pitching staff too, so that's one thing to think about. I know that uh, Pablo Lopez also went down with an injury recently, so there's going to be some call-ups, I would assume, to fill that slot as well. Look, there were there was a lot of rumble rumbling like back when the you know it, it was the duo of Sixto Sanchez and Edward Cabrera and yeah. a, a, many a prospect evaluator likes Cabrera more. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he performs at the highest level when he does get the call. I will admit that I am excited, but it's also partially for a selfish reason because I did pull an autograph card of him. Nice in a box. So real nice. There is that. Uh, I think that's all we have for this week. Hey, Schwabs, you remember when we said we weren't going to go long? It's going to be a shorter episode at the beginning of the episode. Ha! Huh. That was that was a lie. We've been going for over an hour at this point, which is about what we usually do. So I would to never think we, to think that we thought we didn't have enough content. I would never lie to our listeners, except for all the times that I lie to them. And when we say that we're not going to go long. Yeah, we wouldn't be a picture list podcast without that. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for us this week. Thank you so much for joining us on another episode of In the Deep. Uh, we will see you again next week. Uh, be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a review for the podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Again, you can search on there for In the Deep Fantasy Baseball and find us that way. Uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow our shared account at In the Deep PL. You can also follow us individually at Schwebzi. Again, that's S-H-W-E-B-S-I or at Bun Singles. And you can also email us mailbag questions, comments, uh, confessions of love, whatever you want to do at in the deep PL at gmail.com. And with that, we will see you next week. Schwebzi, send them out. Bye, friends. Bye.